You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Locked On Indians podcast. This is Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. So I want to start out by alerting you. I know I said we'd go back to five a week this week, but unfortunately, the local ad buy does not start yet, um, or we are not a part of it. Uh, let's get those numbers up. Uh Bigger numbers would include us in the local ad buy for Arizona tourism. Right now, it's going to the the podcasts and the network that have the uh, the biggest listenership, the top six, as it were. Um, so let's get the numbers up. See if we can get us into that top six. See if we can get a piece of that local ad tourism money to, so we can go back up to five from the three we're doing right now. So that's that's kind of my call to action. If you want two more a week. Um, you know, get a friend to listen. Make sure you download all of them. Write a review, anything you can. I appreciate everything you have done, um, but it's just harder to carve out the time when um, it's we are short ads. So I'm just I'm being honest with it. Um, I'm not trying to Paul Dolan you guys out there. So I was online after last week's show, and I was talking with uh, with Andy on uh, Twitter, who helps me with pronunciations. He pointed out that I missed on Hal Trotsky, and it made me realize I missed on a lot of all-time first basemen. And there were three that really came to the forefront, and they each have kind of interesting stories. So let's start on Hal Trotsky. Um, in some regards, maybe the greatest Indian to never make a uh, an all-star team. Um, he unfortunately played first base in an era when there were um, really, really good first basemen like uh, Gehrig, Fox, and Greenberg. Now he is, for a long time, was the, you know, was right up there one or two amongst Indians home run hitters. It was him and Earl Averill basically until the 90s when guys like Ramirez, Bell, and Tomey joined that group. But he came in at his age 23 year, and which, side note, was 1936, and hit 42 home runs. He hit 35 as a 21-year-old. Uh, 32 in as a 24-year-old, and this is what makes Hal Trotsky really interesting. On top of the fact that you know it's just this oddity due to when he played that he never made an All-Star game, in spite of really good production and numbers, being you know a 300 hitter with 30 plus home runs, is that he started having migraines in 38 at age 25, and essentially his power started to be zapped. He still could hit for average, but he just was not quite the same guy. So, um, Hal Trotsky fascinating you know basically age 24 is when he hit his peak of performance and you wonder if modern medicine if anything could have been done to help it how things would have been different what numbers he could have put up he retired from baseball in 41 at 28 was only a part-time player that year he came back in 44 and 46 with the white Sox. nowhere near the hitter he had been but yeah he had this really bright start and then it just kind of faded i think that's part of what makes him so interesting it's one of those coulda woulda shouldas uh 36 only time he really loved the league in a category total bases and rbis uh fascinating player in the indians history so that's how trotsky let's talk about vic wertz next um probably most well known for being the victim of the catch in the 54 world series wertz had started out with the tigers and eventually came to the indians where he was a highly successful first baseman on those great teams uh from 54 Notably the 54 team, but uh, 54 is his first season with the Indians. He actually came to the Indians in 54, June of 54 that year. 
from the Orioles. His best season with the Indians was 58, where he made the All-Star, mostly known for his time with um, the Detroit Tigers. I'm sorry, it was uh, 57 when he made the All-Star team, but uh, 56, he had 32 home runs. 58, actually not such a strong year. That's when he ended up getting traded away. But still, you know, one of those guys you want to note uh, had kind of one of the more memorable uh you can't say hits because it wasn't a hit, but uh, ball, bat, contacts in Cleveland Indians history. And then let's talk about Ed Morgan, who played first and right field. And Ed Morgan debuted for the Indians in 1928. And then he has an odd career, only played seven years, and you're talking 28 to 34. And you kind of have to get into what Ed Morgan did, and this will actually help transition in the second half of the show. Uh, he in his first full season in 30, he hit 349 with 47 doubles and 26 home runs. And after the Indians refused to give him a raise, he threatened to quit baseball and go work for his wealthy father. In 31, he hit 351. So then you go, and then in 1933, he was sent down to the minors. His 32 season, he hit 293. Um, you know, one of those guys where that 26 home runs, he never hit that many more in his entire career combined. I'm sorry, he hit exactly that many more in his entire career combined outside of that year. So there was some uh, diminishing production. But in 33, the Indians sent him to the minors, and eventually he would resurface the next year in Boston for a bit. And that was the end of Ed Morgan. Uh, a productive player who the Indians refused to play, got into issues with, and eventually left. So let's talk about Francisco Lindor. So, Francisco Lindor had some interesting statements this week um, when he was at Tribe, the Tribe Fan Fest event. And I don't want to defend Paul Dolan, but at the same time, let's, let's actually look at the statement which he made was, Is there a right number for me right now? I haven't really thought about it. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to worry about what I got in front of my toes I'm going to worry about what I got in front of my toes. A lot of money sounds pretty right now. Everything sounds pretty. A lot of years sounds pretty too. At the end of the day, it's about what's best for me, my family, and also the Indians organization. So, um, I also wanted to say the Indians haven't offered me the right thing. But at the same time, his initial statements are he doesn't even know what the right thing is. So, the Indians haven't offered it to him, but he doesn't know what it is. And this gets down to my whole point. Like... There's a lot of reasons to be mad at Paul Dolan. Uh, if they cut payroll again this year, if they have a sub $100 million payroll, that is ridiculous. Um, I understand at peak we were about 150 for those two years. 120 um, last year to cut it again is, again, beyond ridiculous and is indefensible. But at the same time, I would argue that anything Francisco Lindor says you know, about wanting to stay in Cleveland, loving it. All of this is a little disingenuous as well, because he might, but there is almost no amount of money the Indians could offer to make him stay, unless they were going to make him one of the five highest played players in baseball um, over uh, probably somewhere like a nine to 10 year uh, contract. I mean, that's, that's the end of the day. That's where it is. Everything Francisco Lindor has done from the moment he came up to the Indians has shown that he is playing to hit free agency as quickly as possible. And there is nothing wrong with that. The Indians made some attempts early on to try to, you know, buy out some of those cheap arbitration years and maybe get a year or two more at the end with Lindor. And that was stonewalled. And I brought it up before. Um, he has an agent who does not have really anyone else of big name value. And for a guy like him, 
first off, what he would make on Lindor's contract is going to be a huge amount for that agent who does not have a, a stable of big-name clients, A, and B, it's going to allow him to get more clients. So his agent is definitely also, um, you know, help set him up and push him towards something he's doing, which is 100% okay, um, going out and getting the best contract possible. I think Lindor is a situation where um, he's doing... You shouldn't be mad at him just because he's going to chase um, most money possible, as that is what all of us would do if given the opportunity, if we're 100% honest. And it's a situation where you can't really get that mad at the Dolans. I mean, Cano left the... um, left the Yankees bets is likely to get traded out of Boston this happens guys at that upper tier um, tend to hit free agency and then it becomes a bit of a free-for-all it stinks I mean there's plenty of reasons to be mad at the Dolans Lindor is not one and my whole take from this is yeah I think he's gonna go on and probably have another fantastic year he does want to win I know I saw you know some things about um the city has grown on me a lot. It's, I always feel like that's kind of a negative. Like, it's grown on me. Like, that is that really a positive when something grows on you? It means that you really didn't have that high of an opinion to begin with. But let, let's go on with that. When is the right time to sign an extension? I don't know when's the right time. God has a plan for me. I, I don't really think in this case it's God's plan. It's, you know, Lindor has a plan, and Lindor's agent has a plan, and that plan is to hit free agency, which, again makes sense it's logical and he's earned that right and i'll wish him well i just hope he doesn't sign with um some of the teams i really can't stomach which i are the same ones most indians fans can't stomach so that's my takeaway from his comments um it's uh everyone's a winner everyone's a loser type of situation um i guess the biggest loser really though is just the indians fans if we're being honest uh, the Dolans will steal you billionaires, Lindor will make hundreds of millions of dollars, and the fans get to watch um, you know, the, the latest guy in the line of Ramirez and Tomy walk out the door. I know it's a really inspiring piece for me there, but that's just the long and short of it. I thought it was kind of fluffed up news when people brought it up or talked about it. It's like it didn't really add anything beyond what we knew. And of course, he's going to say, yeah, I'd love to stay. I love it here. No one ever says otherwise unless they really want out. And, um, you know, there were some pick reading between the lines that maybe, um, you know, or no, the other thing was, uh, I want to bring a championship to Cleveland. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with the years. It has nothing to do with who I like or don't like. It has to do championships. The front office tries to put a team together to win, not save money. So it is a bit of an indictment of Dolan in his statements there. Yeah, like I said, it, it stinks. There's no other way around it. It just stinks. So let's uh, let's just, should I use the Dolan line, enjoy him while he's here? Or, you know, it's it's unfortunate. And that's just the one thing I want to hit on and reiterate time and time again with this is like, it doesn't really matter who the owner was. Francisco Lindor was going to play to free agency. That was how this was going to play out. This is how it was going to go. He would give the Indians opportunity to compete in free agency. I'm sure if we had, you know, an owner who uh, money was, uh, was immaterial to, but no matter what, Francisco Lindor was going to head to free agency. This was his end game. I think for quite a, a bit of time. 
So the other interesting uh, tidbit or piece of rumor that came out this week is that the Indians did have an interest in Starling Marte. They at least got far enough down the line to send an offer. Um, it was not accepted. We don't know what the Indians sent. We don't know why, you know, if the Pirates preferred what the Diamondbacks offered. We don't know if the Pirates, um, if the Indians wanted the Pirates to pick up more money. They did pick up $1.5 million in the deal with the Diamondbacks, and the Indians are trying to get them to pick up more. Um, if that's what held up the deal, that is just awful, terrible, and another reason why Paul Dolan is quickly becoming one of my least favorite people. I mean, it's just, can we just take a break and talk about how crap it is in terms of ownership in Cleveland. Like Jimmy Haslam is a walking dumpster fire. Um, the Browns, I just if you type Seth Wickersham, Cleveland Browns, you can find his article from a year ago. Um, I reread it today because I was like, let's go back and revisit. That was fascinating at the time, and all of it kind of still holds. And it just shows uh, what a what a disaster he is. Like you know, th- there's the guy at the bottom, without a doubt. Uh, Dan Gilbert managed to. Uh, make himself a bit of a national laughing stock. Um, we all appreciated the letter at the time, but it just did not age well. And at the end of the day, you have to wonder that when LeBron came back, if the reason he only ever did the one one ones and then bolted at the end there is because of just a dislike of Gilbert came back because it is home. But uh, you know, and then Gilbert's own interference um, led to Griffin leaving and and some of that stuff and you know that John Beeline who's looked a bit overmatched as a coach I uh, gotta wonder about the ties to Michigan and such that we've seen with Gilbert and you know he's clearly invasive but he's better than Haslam let's we got it there so that it comes down to do you do you like the the spending habits and the invasiveness uh of Gilbert or do you prefer the non-spending but hands-off approach of Dolan it's it's like, would you would you rather die by decapitation or be by being hung? It's just, I know every sports city has issues like this, but there's got typically one owner, and I used to defend Dolan to the hilt, but again, I I see the thing here, and you know, I talked about on the the show last week when I did the the phone podcast about the Indians easily could have chopped dropped could have topped the Marte off uh, the diamondbacks offer on Marte. they have pieces that are similar but more highly regarded um i didn't see any way that they couldn't and you know sometimes there are just players that teams like better um you know the indians made a run at josh donaldson before he went to the blue jays but the a's really liked franklin barreto and that hasn't worked out for them but sometimes there's just that guy uh you know in the back in the day the indians made the the play for pedro martinez but the guy that uh Carl Pavano was the guy that uh, that was the you know is if they couldn't get Jared Wright, they, Carl Pavano was the next best guy from Boston. The Indians were offering Cologne. I mean that was the talk at the time, and you know it's it's always eye of the beholder. So you know I could be wrong in this, but it just I can't help but look at everything else that's happened with cutting salary, um, not adding as much talent as they should as a team that clearly has some easy to fix holes but has a really good roster like this is a team that could contend and should contend but has some easy to patch holes like this shouldn't be that big of a deal and i can't help but look at losing out on Marte. i'm wondering was it money i mean it's just i think with anyone that's going to be your first response i want you to look at was it money do the indians try to get the pirates to eat too much 
and they just viewed it as um, you know not worth the asset uh, management. If all things are similar and the Indians are trying to get you to eat mon- more money, uh, I guess take the the other deal. There's a logic to it. I mean, I have nothing to base that on. That's not any inside information. That's just kind of a gut feel after spending all this time talking about this team this offseason. So I will be back on Wednesday. I hope everyone has enjoyed the show today. I've had some weird volume readings on the mic throughout the show, so um, I'll apologize for that and continue to fiddle with things, and hopefully the sound quality will uh, continue to improve and get better. I want to thank everyone who's listened. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You know, the community's awesome. Keep going, keep growing, keep expanding. Let's get those numbers in the top six so we can be part of the next ad buy. Thank you. You guys are the only reason, though, that it keeps going. So even if you're listening and you're like, I'm not going to do anything, I still give you my thanks. I appreciate all of you who listen. Thank you so much. And as always, go Tribe.